Hi there, this is Jacob Msiba, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. We are in the month of November and I just got a bit naughty, Mazalwane, and just, you know, themed this month, November. Um, it's, there's nothing really supernatural about it. It's just love plus November. And we thought, let's do November. Amen. So we changed L for N. Um, and we started off um, the first week we, we spoke about learning a life of love. Last week we spoke about we're trying to answer the question, what is love? What is love? And just so that we can know um, um, what do you mean when you say to somebody, I love you? And what can you expect from a person who says they love you? <laughs> so that it cannot be, um, I always say that um, if you don't take time to understand the dynamics of relationships, you'll just take anything that comes. And people will abuse you and you will persevere. Uh, what do they say when they advise us even as You know, sometimes this thing, uh, you know, it's just not on. Yeah, you cannot go and I don't know where you are. And when I ask you, you freak out. You know, all of those things must change because when, when you say you truly love someone, your attitude changes towards them. Um, even in friendships, um, if somebody says they are your friend, at least you, you, you need to know what they can expect from you and also what you can expect from them. Amen. And, and, and that's why last week we went through that exercise. There was just a lot of ground to cover. In fact, I felt like sometime next year, God willing, I will put together a book on this subject um, so that we can explore it further because we need love. Uh, we, we need love. We, we need love. We, and many of us don't know love. <laughs> yeah, we, don't, we know abuse. We know betrayal. We know rejection. Um, but there's something that, ha- that should happen when you encounter God. Um, I did a, a video clip during the week, and I said one of the things that God promises us in Christ, he says, in him we are complete. And that says you must never allow yourself to be held at ransom by somebody who deceived you and said they loved you, and you thought if this, this person is no longer in your life, Something, you know, the things that we say is like, you know, without you, there's no me. Come on. That's why, that's why sometimes you will stay in that abusive relationship because you've told yourself that, that without, um, yeah, that without this person, sometimes when a person is not just good for you, just tell them, dude. Just go your way, I'll go my way. <laughs> You're just not good for me. Amen. Let's go. So today, our subject is let love live. 
Let love live. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter number 12. Romans 12 and verse number 9. Romans, I love the Bible. You know, the Bible is just a powerful book, I tell you. Romans 12 verse 9, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Amen. In another translation, I'm just going to read it in a couple of translations. In Romans 12 verse 9, it says, Really love other people. Really love them, right? And it says, Not like a hypocrite. Hate anything that is bad. Continue to do things that are good. That is in the easy English translation. And the Amplified Version puts it this way. Love is to be sincere and active. The real thing. Without guile and hypocrisy. Guile is cunning intelligence. You know, there are people who know how to, you know, yeah, manipulate you. You know, package themselves in the manner that will make you to believe that, I yeah, know, it's Coco Samples. They will say all the right things. Through their un until life happens, amen. Until life happens, and um, it says, "Hate what is evil, detest all ungodliness. Do not tolerate the, do not tolerate wickedness. Hold on tightly to what is good." That is in the Amplified Version. One more to go. This one just blew me away. Uh, uh, well, you might want to, I don't know what to do, switch off the Apple TV and switch it back on because it, it, it's not really linking. Now, in the message translation, now, this one blew my mind. It made me to, yeah, cringe a bit and be like, Lord, search my heart. <laughs> it says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. My goodness. And hold on for dear life to good. Then it continues to say, be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. What that means, you know, loosely translated is that Always be willing to play that um, number two role. The person that you love, always be willing to put them first. Let it be about them first. And <laughs> prioritize them. Don't fake it. Don't be a fake friend. If you don't want fake friends in your life, don't be a fake friend to others. Mean what you say and say what you mean. If there's one thing that is dangerous in life is to be surrounded by people or even to be a person who loves to sweet talk people. You, you, you love saying all the right things. You, you always want to be appropriate. And 
you just say to yourself, what do they call that thing? Flattery, you know. There are people who are good with flattery. They, man, they can flatter you with words and you can feel so good about yourself. And the day they decide to change their narrative, if you were trapped by all of the nice things that they were saying, the day that they decide to change their narrative, you will feel like you are a nobody. That's why the only consistent place that you can ever draw genuine and sincere love from, it is from God. So that even when people change their narrative, you will still feel loved and accepted. And just know that, you know what, in Christ, I am accepted. I'm complete in him. There's nothing broken, nothing missing. So if you walk away from me, you are not taking a piece of God from me. And that is what brings contentment. And that is what is going to save us from (laughs) a lot of pain. Because relationships can damage lives if they are fake. Let me start off by saying this morning, love is not just a feeling. Love is not just an emotion, even though... It includes that, it involves that, but it is not just a feeling, it is not just an emotion, but love is a person. Love is a person and it can only grow in us if we allow or let that person live in us and through us and live freely. The Bible it's very clear about, about that because it, it teaches us that God does not just have love, but God is love. He is love. He is love personified through Christ. That's why the, the Bible says God demonstrated his love. So when Jesus was dying on the cross, it was God demonstrating his love through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody once said, it was not nails that kept Jesus on the cross, but it was the love that he had for us. Uh, That's why he said, nobody can take my life away from me, but I lay it down willingly for those that I I love. 1 John 4, from verse number 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. Let us love one another. For love is of God. Exclusively love is of God. Love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse number 8, He who does not love does not know God. How extreme this is, it's, it busts our bubble. In other words, you can sound theological, you can quote scriptures, you can pray heaven down, you can be speaking in tongues, uh, but the Bible says if you don't have love, you don't know God. You know about him maybe, but you don't know him personally if you don't have love. 
If you don't walk in love, if you don't exercise or practice the life of love, it says you don't know him. In other words, I can come here, be an important man of God, prophesy over your lives, lay hands upon you, and you can be healed. It does not matter. The Bible says if I don't have love, I don't know God. I don't know God. The only time I can claim to know God is when I can walk in love because God is love. Love is not a feeling that I have when I'm happy. That's why I cannot depend on how I feel <laughs> for me to say I love anybody. I don't have to depend on what you have done to me. You can swear at me. You can for me to be in a space where I can look beyond everything else and just be consistent in my love for you. It is when I know the person of God. I know him as a person. I don't know about him, but I know him. Uh, I have intimacy. Uh, uh, Pastor Goodwill said it reminded me of how somebody inter interpreted the principle of intimacy he says it is when I say into me see uh, I'm in a relationship with you and I am not afraid to hide or uh, to reveal all of the dirty things on the inside of me I, I can become vulnerable before you that is what intimacy is. You can never claim to have intimacy with somebody that you are afraid to be yourself in front of them. They must see what's going on in your heart. And so when you are having intimacy with God, you, you, you pray prayers like David, Lord, search my heart. And whatever it is that you find in me which does not line up with you, David says, just expose it and take it out, no matter how painful it can be. It is when you allow yourself to be dealt with by God, <laughs> where God is literally going to point out things in you that he is not happy about. That's why David, the Bible describes David, we don't understand, Barcelona. we are looking at all of the um, dirty things that David did and we are shocked by why does God say, say about David this is a man after my heart why? it is because David was not afraid to come before God and say God I have sinned before you and he will say do not cast me out of your presence do not take away your spirit from me David was always the first one to run to God when something was wrong in his life because he did not want to have something in here that is going to hinder him from connecting with God at the level at which he wanted to connect with God. Verse number 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. It says God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. We can never separate God from love. In the same way that we cannot separate wet from water. <laughs> We cannot separate God from love. It's impossible. The moment you say, I have a relationship with God, there must be love. Love, as we have already established, is a fruit. It is a fruit that is produced by the Spirit of God who lives and dwells on the inside of us. One of the things that, you know, we, we, we are blessed with as Christians is the fact that when we got saved, that's why Christianity can never be a religion. It's never, it's, it can never be a religion because 
when you and I get saved, the Bible says we receive the Holy Spirit as a seal, as a guarantee, it says, of that which is to come. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, he comes and dwells on the inside of us. We instantly become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And one of the primary assignments that he has, it is to impart the nature and the character of God in us. And, and, and he produces in us and through us what is called the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 22. So love, in other words, can be experienced by others as it flows from the relationship that we have with God through his Holy Spirit. So in other words, we experience this love from God until it fills our hearts and it overflows and until it can manifest on the outside so that those who are around us can benefit from it. Are we together? So that those who are around us can benefit from it. In other words, until I have a healthy relationship with God, those who are around me can never be able to benefit. I can never be able to love people around me, no matter how hard I can try. It has to flow from a healthy relationship that I have with God. Because that would mean I have a relationship with the person who is love himself. So don't... Put yourself under pressure. Don't deceive yourself and think that you can love people without having a healthy relationship with God. It's impossible. Why? Because the love with which we are supposed to love others and God, it is supposed to be unconditional. No terms and conditions. And, and romantic love is not enough. Right? If you are in a romantic relationship with your spouse, mm -hmm. we all know that there are terms and conditions. <laughs> if you love your friends, you know that like your, 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 your friendship love, if we may call it that, there are terms and conditions. Um, your relatives, family love, there are terms and conditions. It's like there are certain cousins that you, you know, it's like, I'll Bluetooth you, I'll hotspot you from a distance, right? But once you know God, God teaches us that on top of the romantic love that you have towards your spouse, let me add the dimension of unconditional love. And that's really the safest space to be at. Because that love does not be, depend on the candles and the... the <laughs> The, the, the roses. Oh, the tea. Tea is, is, is tea that romantic? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I guess so. In my love language, yeah. I love tea, so I guess so, hey? But it just doesn't sound right. <laughs> but beyond that, God then says, let me teach you how to love unconditionally. Let me teach you how to go beyond how you feel. Let me teach you how to love beyond the, good, the goosebumps, beyond the gifts. 
the outings, the holidays. Let me, let me, let me just teach you to love beyond the benefits from your friends. Hey, because some of us are keeping our friends because of what we can benefit from them. And some of us sitting here, we are kept by our friends because of what they can benefit from us. And that's why you need to know love so that you can discern if you don't have good friends in your life. We need to know what love is so that we can discern that if you, the more you build, that's why um, even last week we were saying, don't be too quick to commit to relationships. Hey. It's a very old song. Pretty uh, 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 uh. Very awesome. Take time to know him. Do you know that song? It's a, it's a very good. Yeah, the golden oldies will know the song. Take time to, and and not just not just in terms of romantic relationships. Take time to know people. Take time to know people. Just know them. Know their hearts. Um, that's why I recommend that when you. I'm not sure whether Mamfundi said this last week that. If people come to me and ask me, Fundis, is it right or wrong to date? Especially as a Christian. I throw the question back to them. And I say, but what is to date according to you? Because to me, dating says, let's just get to know each other. Let's go out so that I can, I can ask all the right questions without the goosebumps, and so that I can get to know what am I getting myself into. This is where you, you are going to talk to, to that guy or to that lady and ask them, how's your relationship with your mother? How's your relationship with your father? Do you have a relationship in your life with your friends that you have kept for at least five years? Because if this guy or this lady can't keep relationships, what makes you think he will keep yours? They can't commit to relationships. So ask all of those questions. Who are you at home? Yeah. Do you mind if I visit with you at home? Let me just see you at, at home with your parents. How do you behave when you're around your folks? Who are your friends? Can we visit your friends? Who's your best friend? Can you ask him over to join us in our date? So that you can get to see what kind of conversations do they get into. So that you take time to know them. Take time to know them until, and then when you are satisfied, you can then commit into a relationship. And I'm not saying you are going to reject people. Sometimes it's also okay to say, these are the things that I have noted. Let's walk a journey and try to help each other to sort the people. We are still going to have probably 50 and 60 years together. So I'm talking now. Do you have past hurts that you have not dealt with? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go home and reconcile with your mother. <laughs> because you might treat me like your mother. Because <laughs> I'm also a woman. So if you are bitter and angry against your mom or your dad, do you have issues with your daddy? 
Because I'm also a man, so you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a figure that represents males in your life. So if you were never treated well by your dad, chances are you are going to take it out on me. So before we commit, before I do, do you mind that we walk a journey? Let's just walk a journey and let's see somebody. Let's talk to somebody so that they can help us heal and, and help us overcome all of these things because we, we need to love each other sincerely. Love must live and love must flow in and through us. So, so when we get born again, Barcelona, let me just get on with it. When we get born again, here's the deal. God deposits a seed in us. The Bible says it is an incorruptible seed. What is that seed? It is the word of God. And that word of God, the Bible says in the beginning there was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So if the word is God, and God is the word, my goodness. So it means this word that is deposited in us, it is also love. Because God is love. I've, I've done mathematics at school, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, so, so it's an equation that works itself out. So when we hear the message of the gospel and we receive this word, we believe this word, God has given us a seed on the inside of us that has everything in it that pertains to life and godliness. So in other words, God has given us something in us that will teach us to love. He has given us the ability to love. So there's no human being, especially when you are a Christian, who can claim that they cannot love. No matter how hurt you were in the past, there is a seed on the inside of you. That when you allow it to grow and nourish it through the relationship that you have with God, God, that seed will grow and it will produce the fruit. What is that fruit? It is love. So in other words, we are capable, if there are people who are supposed to excel in this life of love, it's us as Christians. Amen. But unfortunately, that is not always the case. I've been a pastor for 18 years plus now. I've seen things in church. I've seen things in marriages. Where two people who said they love each other. And they have the spirit of God on the end. What shocks me in most cases is how spiritual they are at church. At least that's the impression they give. That they are so spiritual on Sunday. They are so spiritual in all the other activities of the church. And yet, when it comes to love, because unless you let love live on the inside of you, and allow God to freely express himself on the inside of you to a point of overcoming all of your fears that are based on your past hurts, past disappointments. Just allow God to love you. Just allow God to love you. Experience the love of God. You see, the Bible tells us that love casts out fear. And many of us cannot love or cannot receive love out of fear because we are trying to protect ourselves from a past experience. So you and I are supposed to allow God on the inside of us to show his love and appreciation for, for us as his children. And if that happens, let me tell you, then we grow 
And we can be able to love others. We can be able to love others. We can walk in love in our friendships. We can walk in love in our families. We can walk in love in our... Isn't it ironic, Bazalani, that as much as we are Christians, as much as we are supposed to be good people, but sometimes in most cases we are the ones who are busy breaking relationships all the time. And in most cases, this is when we choose to be religious when it comes to our walk with God instead of having a true and a living relationship with Him. We look holy on the outside, but we are mean on the inside. I've seen <laughs> mean people in church that you ask yourself that after having said and done all of those things. How do you wake up early in the morning to pray? What do you say to God? Especially when you are going to pray as if nothing happened. I'm asking myself that question each and every day to say. That's why the Bible says, out of the same mouth, we cannot bless God and curse people. Out of the same mouth. So during those times, where is love? And it's not that we don't have love, but we don't let it live and grow on the inside of us. We don't allow God to express himself. We even reject the love of God. That's why many of us, we get lost during worship. Because it's just too deep. <laughs> we, let me explain something about music. Uh, Pastor G is a musician here, and, and Paulinho there is a musician. But let me explain something about music. Music has got three main components to it. It has what we call rhythm. It has what we call melody. And it has what we call harmony. So those three components must be there. And it can come in different genres. Other genres are more strong in a rhythm. The rhythm is more appealing to the flesh. Right? Harmony is more appealing to the soul. It must make musical sense. It's like there's something when the harmonies are not right. You, you, it's like it's a nice song, but you feel disturbed somehow. Melody is more appealing to your spirit. And that's why many songs of worship are strong in terms of melody low in terms of rhythm. Because that song says, let's connect at a spiritual level. That's why, Tinage, uh, we, know, we know this very well. I'm a piano. Even if the song does not make sense, but your body is going to move to it. It's like, you don't know what the song says. Because the rhythm is good, right? The rhythm is good. That's why a church... There's, there's more activity during a chorus. I'm going to say it one more time. That's why at church, there's too much activity during a chorus. Why? They are high in rhythm. And after the service, even if you can ask, what was the first song we sang? It's like, I didn't tell him not. It was you know? Because it's high in rhythm. But once we move to worship, it's low in rhythm. It's more melodious. And then it says, focus on the message. Focus on what we are saying. That's why many people get bored. 
because it's spirit to spirit. Deep calleth unto deep. That's what the Bible says. So that's why sometimes we get disturbed by the, by the genre because it's not nice to our flesh. It's because we think worship is for us. Worship is not for us, it's for him. It's not about how I felt when I worshipped. It's about how he felt when I worshipped because I am taking these words. I'm talking to him. In other words, I want to focus on my moment with God. I'm talking to him. I don't want distractions all around me. I don't want even my flesh to interfere in this thing. I'm just pouring out. I want to tell, Lord, I love you. Lord, the melody there says, I'm expressing, I'm pouring out my heart to God. And many of us, our walk with God does not involve that aspect. We only want songs that will make us feel good. And we said yesterday, love is all about giving yourself for the benefit of the other. But once I make the experience to be about me, I will not love. So that's why we, we, we become religious people because we make everything to be about us. It must, it must be about me. It, it must be, God must bless me. God must give me a job. And the service must be nice to me. But what about God? What about God? Because God says, I, I love you. And what does he say? He says, when, when, when I love you, it must be a reciprocal commitment. I need, I, that's why when, before you knew me, you lacked love. And I came into your life, I gave you love. And the least you can do is to give it back to him. And worship helps us. What is worship? Worship is adoration. Worship is, is, is all about loving God. That's why the Bible says, kiss the son lest he be angry. So, so God is expecting each time we come into this place. God is expecting from us the love, not the love that we generate from ourselves, but the love that he has poured out into our hearts by his spirit. Amen. That is what he is expecting from us. So you can love people. You can love people. You can love God. You can love your spouse. You can love. You have it on the inside of you. God has given it to each and every one of us. But our issue is we don't let love live. We suppress love. We hinder the flow of love. That even when God wants to. So all that God is asking is that step aside. Let me, love your, let me love your spouse through you. <laughs> step aside. Let me love your friends through you. Just step aside. Don't allow your flesh, don't allow your body to interfere with the flow of love. Because in most cases when God wants to love, we remind ourselves of what you said to me last week. So I can't love. I'm going to remind myself of, 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 the, of the pain you caused me last week. So I won't let love live on the inside of me. Let me, let me show you this, and I hope you are going to take this well. I'm closing with this, right? I just hope we are all going to take this well. Yeah, that's a disclaimer. I just hope we are going to, but it's going to be from the Bible. Let me, let me show you this. Love is a spirit that you carry. It's a spirit. That, you see, when a person is controlled, it, well, behaves in a manner that suggests to you this person is not himself or herself. When they do something, you're like, I wonder 
What? What are, you see when Judas betrayed Jesus, the Bible says Satan entered into his heart. So love is a spirit. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of love. Love is a spirit that sits on you. That that needs you need to allow this spirit to enter you and drive you to action and move you to love people. It, it you have got to open your heart and allow that's why, hence the topic, let love live. Allow God is not saying generate love, He says, I'll give you love, just allow this love to flow. But our actions sometimes will block love. Let's start here. The scripture we read says, let love be without hypocrisy. Right? Then the next verse says, we need to abhor evil. So my point is, evil, wickedness, call it wickedness, call it unrighteousness, call it whatever. But evil will always hinder the flow of love in our lives. You cannot practice intentionally so wickedness or embrace or even perpetuate evil things. And I'm going to show us, because sometimes we think we cannot be associated with evil. I cannot entertain wickedness in my heart and claim that I have an intention to walk in love. Because evil according to the Bible, will always hinder the flow of love. So in order for us to love like God, we need to be like him. How is God? Psalm 45 describes God like this. It says, God loves righteousness. Take note. He hates wickedness. That's what the Bible says. He hates wickedness. So in other words, if I want to love like God, I must be like him. And love righteousness and abhor evil, hate wickedness with every fiber of my being. Because if I entertain evil and wicked things in my heart, how many of us sitting here, let's be honest, you don't have to answer in public, it's not an exam question, you don't have to just answer this question in your heart, like be honest to yourself. How many of us sitting here or standing even like I'm standing, have you had moments in your life where you said something, did something that deep down in your heart, you knew I'm not supposed to say this? Like you, you, you knew. I'm, I'm saying all of these things. I'm not. I'm, I'm not supposed to. Or I'm doing this. As there's something on the inside of you that says no. But we continue anyway, right? And by so doing, it becomes a habit. And once it becomes a habit, it begins to block the flow of love. It begins to block the flow of love. Let me show you this, Basilan. The, the, the Bible says in Proverbs 3 verse 29, do not devise evil against your neighbor. Don't devise evil against you. What does it mean? Don't be entertaining things in your heart. That will cause you to think or do evil towards another person. Your neighbor can be your spouse. Your neighbor can be your friend. Your neighbor can be your relative. Your neighbor can be your fellow Christian brother or sister at church. The Bible says don't devise. In other words, because some of us, Basilwan, we sit down. And we devise evil intentionally. You decide, this is what I'm going to do. 
aiming at hurting that person. And you know, even, even before you decide, you know. And you know what? Uh, this is wrong. This is going to hurt this person. How many of us sitting here, have you ever, like, you wanted to, you were in an argument, maybe with your spouse, and you, you heard a voice. <laughs> like, you, 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 you heard a statement. Whether it's in your mind, your heart, your, but, but you just knew this is not right. I'm not supposed to say this. But you say it anyway. And you get surprised when they get hurt. Let's take it to another level. How many of us sitting here, you, you've had a friend or a spouse, and there's something that happened, and then you, you were left alone and you sat down, and you had a conversation within yourself. And you were like, oh, it means this person is like this. It's like that. Oh, it means when they did this, this is what they meant. Oh, so in other words, Actually, this is the kind of a person that he, again you have this conversation, but this person is not there to answer for themselves. So you are asking yourselves questions, you are answering those questions, and by the time they come back or you meet them, already you've concluded based on the conversation that you had in their absence. And it does not matter what they say, whether right or wrong, you are going to respond on the basis of the conversation that you had with yourself earlier. Because you would have concluded this is a bad person. They deserve harshness. And you are going to respond in a harsh way towards them and end up hurting them. Are we here? And end up. So that's why the Bible says, don't allow yourself to devise evil in your heart. Don't let, as soon as you sit down and you pause and you start thinking about evil things, we, we know. <laughs> We know there are moments where you think, I'm going to deal with this person. Yeah. The Bible says, don't devise it. It, it does not even say, don't do it. It says, don't devise it. In other words, don't plan it. Don't entertain it in your mind. As the moment you find yourself caught in a thought where you are busy entertaining something evil in your mind towards the next person. That's when you are going to intentionally block the flow of love. Because the Bible says, if you want to love without hypocrisy, abhor evil. Abhor evil. Stay away from it when you realize, hey, because there are certain thoughts that will directly connect to your emotions. Let me, let me, let me give you a tip. If in your life you find yourself at any point in time, I'm sure you will relate. There are moments where all of a sudden you will feel sad. You're like, and you, you will be like, why am I feeling so sad? This is what you need to do. Pause, rewind, start to track what was I thinking about for the past few hours. Because thoughts are linked to your emotions. There are certain things that when you entertain them in your mind, they trigger certain emotions. I love it when Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. He says, don't let it. And how do you do that? By controlling what is happening here. So sometimes the devil does not have to do, he does not have to send demons. He sends you a negative thought. And then he walks away. And then you entertain that thought. <sighs> My marriage is not nice. I'm so miserable. You know, nothing is nice in this marriage. You know, you're having that conversation with yourself. 
And then few hours down the line, you're feeling this negative emotion towards your marriage. And then because this marriage has got to do with your spouse, by the time they show up, you're going to respond at the level of your emotions that you've been carrying all throughout the day. It's as simple as that. So, how can I avoid that? By abhorring evil. To say, if you catch yourself thinking negatively towards your spouse, because you can never love anyone that you are thinking negatively towards. Never. But how many of us, we think negatively of our spouses? It's like Ushal and I, every day, or your friend for that matter. But yet the kind of thoughts that you have towards them are not healthy. If all of us now, we can just, if we had a button here, oops, that God gave to us, oops, and then that this thing flips open, and then God shows us what's happening on the inside of us, and just give us those relationship com compartments. And say, let's just, let's just see uh, your compartment of your relationship with your so-called friend. So there are things in Colossians 5 that the Bible mentions. I'm not going to get into details. You can categorize those things. They are evil from verse 19. They show us how when certain things are part of our lifestyle, they will affect different relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse. Like on the top of the list, it talks about Make sure that you are going to become sexually moral. Right? It says, that's the work of the flesh. It's the evil. So in other words, when you practice that, it's going to affect your relationship with your spouse automatically. So if I love my spouse, the one thing that is going to block the flow of love is when I'm going to entertain thoughts and suggestions of becoming unfaithful to her. Automatically. So what do I do? As soon as that thought comes, I attack it with everything that I have. The Bible says our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting out of imaginations. Another translation says arguments. So from time to time, you'll find yourself with imaginations in your mind. Arguments. There's a debate going on. Must I do it? Must I not do it? Must I do it? So in other words, God says, I've given you power to pull down that stronghold. It's like, if that thought comes, I'm going to attack it. It talks about jealousies, you know, um, a competition amongst friendships. If you find yourself being jealous of your friend, you need to attack that thought with every fiber of your being. That's a moment. That's a cue for you. That's a cue for you to phone your friend and congratulate them on the recent thing that has happened in their lives. Why? I am attacking the thought, the evil that is trying to say to myself because its intention is to affect my relationship with my friend. So once you find yourself, your thought is wandering, you are thinking of another woman. That's your cue to, to phone your wife. So I miss you, baby. I, I mean, where are you? Can't we just meet for something, you know? What are you doing? You are attacking this thought that says that you know what because you are going to hurt your spouse you're going to hurt them and that is going to block the flow of love then it says instead when you abhor evil it says then do what is good that's why the bible says we fight evil with good in other words i need to respond by something which is the opposite something good which is the opposite of that evil I'm going to respond with, I need to practice just being a good friend. He who has many friends, 
He himself must be friendly. That's what the Bible says. Don't wait to be taken out. Take out your friend. Don't wait for them to buy you a gift. Buy them a gift. Be that friend who is going to be good. Don't wait for them to phone you. Phone, phone them. Don't wait for them to send you a message. Ah, he does not call me anymore. Why are you not calling? Oh, he doesn't visit me anymore. Why are you not visiting? Be, be a good friend. Oh, oh, you know, uh, he's, he's not buying me gifts. Why are you not buying a gift? So, so in other words, just practice being good towards other people. The Bible says we need to, I love it because it, it, it gives us an impression that we can learn to be good. It's something that you can learn. Isaiah 1 verse 17, it says, learn to do good. It's a habit that you can learn all the time. Learn. I was, I was never good. Even now, I am still learning. Mom Shandu, I'm still learning. It's like, my wife loves flowers. She loves flowers. Now, I'm this dude who is always, like, I'm a better boy. It's like, some of these things, I only learned them in marriage. It's like, when I became a Christian, that's when I became aware of how do you behave when you have a wife and all of the, like I never had the luxury of growing up in a family where I saw love. So I have to learn to remember to buy flowers for my wife. I have to, like I have to, I have to be intentional. It's like each time I walk into Woolworths and I see flowers, I don't say to myself, I'll buy them tomorrow because I'll forget. So when I see them and that thought comes, I buy them instantly. I don't have to have a reason why I want to learn to do good. I want to learn to do good. I, I'm learning. I'm cultivating because it's easy to be selfish in a relationship. You think about yourself all the time. What about me? But learn to do good. Me making her tea every morning. I'm learning to do good. I have to learn to say to her, I love you. It has to be something because I've never had that. I'm sure I shared, shared it with you a couple of weeks ago that even when my mom said to me for the first time, I love you, I didn't know how to respond because it's something that I've never practiced my whole entire life. So if I have a moment, I have to remind myself, tell her you love her. Sometimes I think about it when she's, she, she's away. I will send her a text message. I love you. I love you. Why? I, I'm learning. I'm learning to do good, to be a good husband. My kids, same thing. I have to, I, 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 I was never a kid that was, my, you know, our parents had their own way of loving us. <laughs> it's not that they didn't love us, but they just didn't know how to show emotion and they just didn't know how to hug us or to, you know, and, and I, I've got a problem. My daughter is very loving. Like my daughter will hug you 500,000 times a day. And, and, I, and thank God because I don't have to remember to hug her because the moment I walk in, she's all over me and, and I just need to remember that when she hugs, I need to hug back and kiss her on the forehead and say, I love you. I'm learning each and every day. It's, not, it's uncomfortable, Babshandu. It's uncomfortable. But I have to learn to do it. Why? I want the flow of love. I want to let love live on the inside of me. So I have to be very intentional each and every day. It's still uncomfortable. I am 44 years old now. I was born again in 1999. Even up until today, I'm still learning. Let love live. 
It's a difficult sermon. I will come back some other time with the one that says, the Lord will favor you. The Lord will move in your life. We'll come back with that one, but let's sort out our hearts. Because if there's one force that is going to make us win in life, it is the force of love. If we can love our children, just learn to love and pass on the legacy of love to our children so that they can get into healthy relationships, so that they can know what love is, so that they cannot be deceived, confused by the world out there, and so that we can truly love our spouses and say, if I truly love my spouse, I will abhor evil. I will not, thinking, I will not even think about cheating on her. Never. Why? I want to allow love to flow. I want to be the channel of love. I need to be a conduit of love through which she can receive from God. So I'm going to abhor evil, but I'm going to learn to do good each and every day. Learn to do good for my kids. If they ask for something, I'm not going to complain before I do it. Because we grew up uh, where when you are asking for something, you are going to be shouted at so that by the time even they give you that gift already, it's not being received out of love. So our responsibility then is to learn to do good so that our kids don't have to feel like they have to work hard for them to receive a gift from us because then it ceases to be a gift. A gift is something that you give to a person without them doing anything. They don't have to deserve it. Otherwise, it's no longer a gift, it's a reward. It's a reward. If you say, if you pass, I'm going to buy you a PlayStation 5, it's no longer a gift. It's a reward. Don't call it a gift. But from time to time, you, you gift your kids. And that's unconditional love. In other words, you're saying, there's no, you can fail at school. You're still my child. I love you. And for me to show you, I'm going to abhor the evil of, of hurting you by not buying you this PS5. But I'm going to learn to do good and buy you this gift because I love you. So your friends, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to do anything for you to love on them, check on them, buy them a gift, just have dinner with them. If your friend is going through stuff, just reach out to them. And say, let, let me take you out and pay that expensive dinner because you learn to do good. You learn, we had friends who were going through a tough time recently and I said to my wife, we must be intentional to reach out to them. Intentional. Even if they are not responding, we are going to reach out. And, and we ambushed them. One morning we said, we are at the gate. Open. We are here. Because that's how you do it. You, you, let, you learn to do good. You learn to, and then we said, let's go and have dinner. Just to take them out of the space that they are in. Let's go and have dinner. You pay. You, you do all of those things. You learn to do good. That's how you let love flow. As God is just looking for an outlet. So open, open your heart. Forget about what has happened and then I'm going to flow through you. Father, we pray this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.